0: everybody ready for some word today okay well, well I've been teaching a series uh, called beloved and today I'm going to continue that series okay uh, if you've heard the previous parts of it of course many of you have uh, you know that God really likes you <laughs> He loves you that's just true say but sometimes I'm not very lovable I know. I've seen you. No, <laughs> no. I've looked in the mirror. at my. And he loves us anyway, doesn't he? He, he, didn't, he, didn't, he doesn't just love perfect people. He loves all of us. Period. That's his nature. It's, it's love. If you don't know that or don't, aren't super convinced of God's love for you, go back and listen to those messages again or for the first time. And it will help you to see that. Uh, I've been teaching from John 17... Uh, Verse 23 has been our foundational text for the series. Jesus is praying here and, and, and says, I in them and you in me, you as the Father, that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. And so we can see very clearly that this love that the Father has for us is not some reduced, watered-down, low-level type of love. It's the same love wherewith He loves Jesus. So God loves you and me just as much as He loves Jesus. He did yesterday and He will tomorrow. His love for us is not in flux from day to day based on our performance, right? He's not ever going to love you any more than He does right? He, he, he didn't used to love you more and now He loves you less. Uh, he loves us and this is, this is a result of who He is, not so much as a result of who we are. But we get the benefit of just being loved by God. Uh, we've also noted that the more you know God, the more you know love and vice versa because the fact is that God is love. You know, a good verse is in First John chapter four and verse ten, where uh, John wrote, "In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins." So our focus, my emphasis in this series, has not been in uh, has not been our love for God, even though that's a valid subject, uh, but rather His love. for for us, um, it's the starting point in us loving Him back. It's the beginning place of us loving one another as defined by God, His type of love. We first need to receive it. And so, understanding then how He loves us or how He treats us, that's a better way to say it, how God speaks to us, what He does towards our lives, if I can get that then I will have a revelation of love because he is love everybody with me so if I can identify this is what God says this is how he works this is what he does that defines love for me then I know if I'm really walking in that towards others I know uh, how, how to um, identify my own behaviors in alignment or disalignment with the way that God is in his love for me now Because of that principle of us learning love by looking at Him, I started sharing with you previously about uh, different behaviors or things that love does not do. I said to you last week, first of all, love does not always agree. Because God loves me, doesn't mean He always agrees with me, right? Right? In fact, if he really loves me, sometimes he most definitely has to disagree with me. Not pretend, oh yeah, that's fine, all your ways and thoughts are just fine. (laughs) You know, sometimes people say, God loves you just the way you are. I think sometimes it might be more accurate to say, God loves you in spite of the way you are. (laughs) Either way, we get loved, but let's not pretend everything we do is perfect. Not all of our ways are lovable, but he still loves us. Right. I said to you, secondly, that love does not withhold warnings. Because God loves us, He will warn us. If we're going the wrong direction, if we're doing the wrong thing, if our current pathway leads to a bad result, He will warn us because He loves us. So His warnings are not negative. His warnings are not designed to hurt. They're designed to help and designed to save us. Number three, I said love does not accept unconditionally love does not accept unconditionally in other words god does have standards he does have uh uh, prerequisites and there are things again that are right and that are wrong and he of course aligns his behavior towards us with righteousness with truth with what is good and not with what is evil i want to give you number four here today and then number five number four and number five is that okay all right am i getting too high up in the numbers (laughs) <laughs> number four love does not force himself on you love does not force himself on you and I say himself because instead of itself you could say love itself but because God is love I said himself all right? love does not force himself on you I've broken this down into, into two sub sentences if you will the first one is this God will let you leave I know this is not shouting ground right now, but I want you to understand that it is love. And because God behaves this way, we can learn love. He will let you leave. Say, leave what? Leave Him. Leave His plan. Leave His divine assignments and purposes for your life. He will let you do it. doesn't mean He wants you to do it. He doesn't want me to ever leave. But He will let me leave. Love does behave that way. You, you recall a few weeks ago we taught about the the prodigal son and the son who took his inheritance and went off to a far country. That father is a picture of the father God. And uh, what did the father do in that situation? The son asked for his inheritance and he gave it to him and he let him leave. Did he want him to leave? No, of course not. He wanted him to stay there and succeed and prosper and be protected and happy and healthy. And, uh, but he did let him go and he was thrilled when he came back. But he did let him do what he wanted to do, okay? One day, Jesus was teaching. Uh, it's, the account is John 6. And Jesus was teaching about himself, and he referred to himself as the living bread, okay? And you can read his whole teaching there, but some of it got into some really interesting statements. He started saying things like, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood you cannot have life and you can't have eternal life in you and of course that tweaked a few heads right people are going uh now i know if you've ever read that and we're from our vantage point we're looking at that thinking seriously you guys you really think he meant you're going to take a bite out of his arm <laughs> i mean hello nevertheless they were really troubled by his literal statements like that he did let them off the hook a little bit he went on in that whole passage, he said, the, uh, the things of the flesh are flesh, but uh, how, how does it go there? That which is flesh is flesh, but that which is spirit is spirit. So he kind of threw them that little bone there. Nevertheless, he didn't fully go on to say, I don't mean this, right? And we understand what he means today, but as a result of Jesus teaching and giving this hard message, you know What happened? Here's what happened, John 6 verse 66, no pun intended, (laughs) from that time many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, do you also want to go away? And so I think it's interesting, he gave a strong word, didn't fully explain everything he meant, people were offended and left and he let them go. He didn't, go, he didn't go yelling after him and say, no, you guys misunderstood me. You didn't understand what I mean. Come back. He didn't do that. He let him go. And what that, what that says to me is, yikes. God will let me go if I choose that. I mean, part of me, don't, don't you kind of think like this? I don't want Him to let me go. But He wants us to serve Him by choice. He wants us to choose. And if we don't understand something, He wants us to ask. He wants us to seek Him. But not be quick to be offended by something we don't understand. Offense will drive people away. That's what was happening in this situation. But Jesus didn't take back what He said. He literally did let him go. Did He want him to go? No, He loved him. It's the reason He was sent. To seek and save the lost. But He did let them go. The second way I... I break down, God, that love will not force Himself on you, is that He will permit us to rebel. Love Himself will permit us to rebel. At no time will He force us to do right. Will He jump in the middle of our poor decisions and not allow us to do the wrong thing. He will let us. Uh, you can easily go to Scripture and find verses What? right in the very beginning of the book. Go to the book of Genesis. Remember God planted a garden east of Eden and, and put them in the garden and planted all, all these wonderful trees and He said eat all of them have at it except for that one. What did they do? They ate that one. But you ever notice that God didn't jump in the middle of it and stop it from happening? He didn't want them to disobey. He didn't want them to sin and commit high treason thereby turning the authority of the earth over to Satan. He didn't want them to do that but He let them do that. And wouldn't you think, Lord, right right before they, right before they took a bite, couldn't you just stick your hand in there? Say, you really want to do this? <laughs> he didn't do that. He sat back, grieved, un- not happy with it, but they went the wrong way. He did let them do that. A few, uh, few years later, Cain killed Abel. He let that happen. And on and on and on it go- on it goes throughout human history, even during the time of Jesus' ministry. There was a guy named Judas, one of the twelve, who was stealing from the money bag. Uh, he eventually betrayed the Lord. It was a very bad thing, but it was allowed to take place. God will honor our choice. And He leaves this up to us. We choose life or we choose death. He wants us. You read the scripture over in, uh, I think, Deuteronomy, and it tells us, choose life. Life or death, Pick take life. So what he wants is his plan it's his desire but people are allowed to choose death here on the earth i want to encourage all, all of you to yield yourself to love if, if you and i yield ourselves to the, god, the love of god what's the result we will choose life it's his gentle voice see people in heaven chose to be there no one is in heaven because god made them They chose to be there. Everyone in heaven chose to be there. Those who live for God today, they do it by choice. If you're living for the Lord, you chose to do that. Maybe you're not yet. Maybe you're thinking about it. God will leave that up to you. But if you're going to live for God while you're here on the earth, live a good life, it'll be because you chose to do that. If you're here, obviously you are here. If you're here. Uh, If you're in church, you chose to be in church. Unless you're a minor. Maybe your parents made you. If they love you, they made you. Uh, Well, I just want my kids to choose whatever they want. No, you don't. (laughs) There will be lots of other people in the world that will help them choose the wrong thing. Help them choose the right thing. (laughs) Amen. But if you're here, if you're involved in church... It is because you chose to do it. No one makes you do it. Uh, In fact, God will let you not be involved in a local church. There are many Christians today that are not. They're not doing what we're doing. Is it better for them? It's not. I mean, I I don't need a response, but how many of you were a Christian for years and you did not participate in God's plan for the local church and, and actively engaged in His kingdom? Were you better off when you were doing that? No. Were you still saved? I would say yes. If you will receive the Lord, you're still going to heaven. But those decisions are left to us. They do cost us, though. There are uh, repercussions sometimes of doing the wrong thing. Giving is to be done willingly. We we you hear that often around here. We none of us give because we're forced, obligated. We give because we choose. God leaves that to us. Are there any benefits to giving? huge are there any detriments to not giving huge there really are but he leaves these things up to us this is how love operates amen the holy spirit will guide us he will he will even convince us he will show things to us but he won't make us god won't make you do anything some of you think i need him to make me do stuff (laughs) he won't he won't and He's not here to condemn either. So when you make the wrong choice, He's not going to beat you up over it. But it's still going to cost. But He'll lead you gently, softly, courteously. He's a perfect gentleman. He, he will speak to you and, and guide you and show you things. He won't make you do anything. You know. And we learn love by this. How many know hey, if you're married, you don't make your spouse do stuff? That's not love. Not forcing. Friends, friends shouldn't manipulate Try to force their, their friends to do the things they want them to do. That's not how love works. Everybody with me? Uh, have you ever read the story of, of Ammon and Tamar? It's, it's back in the, in the book of, of 1 Samuel chapter 13. It's a pretty wild story though because Ammon saw Tamar and he was in love with her. In fact, he was sick in love. Literally, it says that. And, uh, and so he became infatuated with Tamar to the point where he set things up and arranged it to where he raped her. And you know what happened after he raped her? He hated her. I mean, no, that, that love that he had for Tamar was not love. That's not, the, that's not anything about what we're talking about where you force yourself or force someone else to do something that you want that, that is, just, that is just the opposite of what we're talking about and so God, understand this point will not force you to do anything he'll not make you do anything sometimes he'll let us do things that grieve his heart but he'll still let us do them until we choose I want life, I want you I want your plan I want your will, not my will and when we do that, we're entering into the love of God. So number four, God won't force himself on you. Number five, are you ready? Everybody okay so far can handle this? Yeah. Number five, love does not expect nothing. Love does not expect nothing. Question for you. Are there any requirements placed on a person that wants to be a follower of Jesus. If you're going to follow the Lord, is there anything you have to do? Now, Sometimes we might struggle with that and think, oh no, no, wait, that's that's into works, that's into performance-based relationship. No, I'm not talking about salvation here. I'm not talking about being saved. There's no work you can do to be saved. Jesus did that work. Right? He gave up His all, died on the cross, and now it's a gift received. But I'm talking about walking with God. I'm talking about following Him every day. I'm talking about being a, a disciple of the Lord. Is there any are there any requirements placed upon us if we want that? And the answer is absolutely yes. In fact, the cost of discipleship as defined in Scripture is quite high. It's quite a high bar if you really want to walk with the Lord closely. If, if I, as your pastor... Do not challenge you to grow. Do I really love you? I, I mean, consider, consider the way the Father would relate to us. If, only, if He only says to us things that we want in the moment, that we agree with at the time, is that really love? And I say it's not. Because of our need to grow and increase and learn and adapt and change and have our mind renewed, we must hear things that challenge our thinking, that challenge our way of living, that challenge how we, how we do life. If we don't, we won't grow. Right? And if someone really loves us, God in particular, then He will give us those opportunities. If, uh, if we as church leaders, if I myself and others, if we don't place any requirements, any standards on people to be serving in different capacities, do we really love them? If we say, hey, you can do anything you want, no requirement, no obligation, n- nothing. Is that really love as defined by God? Does He really function that way? Uh, let me, I hope you understand what I'm saying. Uh, We make it here very, very easy for people to serve God through this house. In fact, if you're new today and you want a job, you'll probably have one by the time you leave. (laughs) A job, meaning a volunteer job, you know. (laughs) Uh, But at the same time, how many think it would be wrong to say, oh, hey, you're new here today? Oh, and you're a singer. Could you lead worship next week? You understand that would be wrong. You want to have a little higher standards and requirements for someone who is leading and speaking into the lives of other people and so forth. So it is love to require things of people. To say, yep, you can do that if you come up to this level. If you fulfill this, this re- requirement. Sometimes when I'm teaching, ministering like I am today, I will give directives intentionally so people have a choice so you have a choice to go higher or to remain where you are and I got to tell you sometimes in doing this I have pause inside of me and I ask myself do I really want to say this and how strong do I want to say it and here's the reason if I give you a challenge I know that some people are going to jump all over it and say, come on, thank you, I'm going to do that. I'm going to change, grow, increase, commit. I'm going, to, I'm going to step up to that. Here's what I also know. Some people are going to ignore me. And that's my concern. If everyone were on the one side, I'd do it all day long. But it's my, the concern is that, well, some people are going to ignore that and the result of ignoring it will cause them to go down. ever recognize it's very difficult to stay neutral to stay in the same spiritual condition year after year after year is very difficult in fact i don't think that really happens i think people are either going up or they're going down yeah the best deterrent to going backward is going forward and those who have who have opportunities to be challenged and given an opportunity to do something they don't normally do you have an opportunity to grow and this is the love of God that would present that to you. You can go higher. Amen. But the ignoring of God's instructions, and some of it coming through human beings, takes us down. Uh, a pastor friend of mine who really likes to ride his mountain bike, and he rides high up in mountains, and um, he he will often do make these videos and and give a little spiritual connection to his trip that day and and then he'll he'll say things like everything worthwhile is always uphill and i thought yeah i like that you know that's true you ever been hiking and it was a hard hike some of you hike uh it's kind of a hard hike you were tired you were worn out you got to the top you we were up by the lake and the, the view was amazing the it was like oh it was so told so totally worth it To be here. And even though it was hard, my legs are sore. But here we are, we made it. Spiritually, it is that way. So I've never done anything hard spiritually. Then your view is probably quite obscured by low level stuff. But if you will be challenged and take the challenge, even when it hurts, even when your legs are burning, (laughs) even when you're thirsty, it's like, man. But you take the challenge, you'll get up, and you'll have a perspective that people who are not willing to do that would not take. They 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 will never get that perspective. Everybody okay today? Amen. Say, what do you mean? Like when you place challenge? Let me give you simple examples. How about this? Read your Bible. I don't think you could like disagree with say I think you're unscriptural there. <laughs> I think you're getting off. That's heresy. Read your Bible. I you mean, like every day. <laughs> Why say that? Because some people are going to do it, and they're going to grow as a result of it. And other people are going to ignore it, and they're going to go backwards as a result. or sometimes I'll say hey we're doing a special service this week or next month or whatever special service make plans to attend hallelujah or hey we're uh, you know coming up spring and easter's coming and let's be about our father's business let's invite people who are not saved to come to our services let's do our put our hand to the plow and reach out to the lost and Someone might say, well, that's not really me. I'm not really that kind of person. Um, you know, I just come to Sunday and I don't do anything else. And, and uh, okay. Or sometimes I'll say, now on three, everybody sit down. Let's give these teenagers a chance to be dismissed. <laughs> or we're doing a, a salvation call like we'll do in a minute. Salvation call. Hey, nobody moving around in respect to those around you. Now, if you're sitting here thinking, Well, I don't have to do what you say. Okay. This is not about force. This is about growth. This is about doing something you don't want to do at times. So you can grow. So you can go higher. So you can have a better view. Amen. So you can experience God on a greater level. And I tell you, there is a need to deny the flesh on our own will and set it aside and say, I'm going to do what someone else says. Amen. Because God loves you, He expects something of you. Hallelujah. Go to Luke chapter 14. I'll just finish with this. Before I read that, though, I'm going to give you 1 John 2, 5. John wrote, But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. Whoever does what with the word? Sees it as optional. Yeah, I can do that. I don't know. Maybe I might do that. I might not do that. No, 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 no. That's not what he said. You keep it. You're a doer of it. This person has the love of God perfected in him. In Luke 14, beginning in 15, it reads now, When one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. And I just loved how Jesus had all these stories just ready to fly. He was asked a question. He said to him, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many. And sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. First one said to him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must go see it. I ask you to have me excused. And that's understandable. I mean, if you own ground, you have to look at it. Right? I'm sure the Lord is saying, oh yeah, dirt needs looked at. Verse 19, another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I am going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Oh, certainly understandable. I mean, we do these great suppers, these great banquets every day and oxen, they only have one minute where they can be tested. You better giddy up and get out there and test them. All right, I'm adding this just for fun. Uh, Verse 20, still another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. Of course. You can't come to stuff if you're married. I mean, God should understand this. If you're married, you just can't do stuff. So that servant came and reported all these things to his master, and the master of the house being angry said to his servant, Go out quickly, quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed, the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you have commanded. And still there is room. The master said to the servant, Go out into the highway and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. Why weren't those people in the great banquet? Not because they weren't invited, but because they did not value that invitation. They did not value that event. This is how the kingdom of God works. It is a great, awesome privilege, a mighty invitation to be a part of what God is doing in the earth today. But it is just that. It's an invitation. And if we have better things to do, someone else will take our place. And this is... The ways of the kingdom governed by the one called love. He loves. He invites. People make excuses and do without. Many people today are are doing without simply because they didn't value what is most important. Can I say this kind of strong? But if you never do anything that you don't want to do or don't in the moment feel like doing... You are weak and a very immature person. You might even be proud. Well, I don't have to do what they say. I know. Okay. You proud thing? I know when when praying this morning with the prayer team, this popped this this popped into my mind about about a baby and a pacifier. <laughs> Sorry, I mean this is not harsh. But what do you do with a, ba- with a baby, a baby that's fussy, a baby that's crying when they're real young? Well, a lot of times you stick that thing in their mouth. They're happy and everyone else is happy, especially if you're in a public place or on an airplane. Right? <laughs> Pacify them. It, put this in there. That's a, But how many know if, if the kid's 16 and they can't keep their mouth closed and they're yacking and making a fuss and complaining and whining about everything. You can't put a pacifier in there. (laughs) At some point they have to learn how to do what they, how to not say what they think, not say what they feel, not express their discomfort. They have to learn to hold that in. Yeah? At some point in our spiritual life we have to do things that sometimes we don't want to do. We don't feel like it at the moment. I'm not feeling the the anointing right now on that. Okay, then discipline. Do it out of discipline. Do it because you're grown up. Amen. Listen, parents, if you're a parent and you have kids in the home, teens or younger, if they will see you consistently give up things that you like to do to put the kingdom of God first, it'll have a tremendous impact on them. If we don't do that, they will grow up, and they will not put God first in their life. They will treat God as an add-on, as an option. Do it if you want, if you feel like it, if you can work it in your schedule, and if you can't, they just, you know, they'll say things like, well, God still loves me. I know He does, but that's stupid. That's not the way to think about it. Just because God loves me, no, because He loves you, because He loves me, He will give us words that will help us climb, will help us grow, will help us develop in spiritual things. Amen. Listen, the idea that because God loves us, He is passive towards us, expecting nothing is completely wrong. Again, because He loves us, He tells us to commit fully, serve willingly, to obey faithfully, and live for Him. Expect directives from your loving Heavenly Father. Expect Him. Don't resist His love. Say, ah, I see what you're saying to me. I know why you're saying it to me. I know it's coming from a heart of love. I yield to that. I yield to your ways. Amen?